Welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Yes, it's a special Roscoe and Rocket edition with a special guest. Yes, Blakey from Golf Rules Questions joins us tonight. Rocket's going to give us a rundown of some of the tour events that have been happening. And then Blakey's going to chime in and give us a bit of an insight into some of the rules goings-ons that's happened over the last weekend and also talk some current rules topics. It's going to be great. Sit back, relax, enjoy this special Roscoe and Rocket edition with Blakey from Golf Rules Questions. Rocket and Blakey, welcome back for another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Rocket, how are you, son? Oh, I'm good. Locked down. No wild turkeys have been bashing me or attacking me. Now, Blakey, just to bring you up to speed, because uh, you may have missed the last Roscoe and Rocket episode. I don't know how you did, but you, you may have. Uh, it was a pre-lockdown recording, the night before lockdown, in fact, and, and Rocket had been on the source. He'd had about three wild turkeys, and he was... On his, on his ear, so he was hung over. He was hung over 24 hours later after being attacked by some wild turkeys. But, uh, Blakey, thanks for joining us. How are you, mate? Uh, very good. Yeah, also in lockdown, as we all are, and mask day today, uh, tomorrow. So uh, make sure you got your mask, whether, whether it uh, might be an old golf towel or something like that. Well, the the police are going to give a bit of le- leeway or discretion. Maybe not leeway isn't the right thing, but discretion on the uh, on the type of mask as long as it's uh, as long as it's covering your covers no- your mush. Yeah, as long as it covers your mush, your nose, and your mouth. So you can wear a scarf, you can cut a sock, uh, and turn that into a mask. You can use one of the disposable ones. But yes, everyone mask up. We actually started wearing masks uh, this week in uh, two things in just to show some leadership and. Uh, we should have been using masks, if we're honest, uh, a long time ago, but also just to uh, try and get used to them. And it's a bit of a challenge for me. I never thought I'd be uh, in this situation. But anyway, we're all wearing masks from 11.59 tonight, so we thought we'd get this done. Blakey, thanks for joining us, mate. You are the resident uh, man for golf rules questions on Instagram, YouTube. Also, you work in the industry with Golf Australia. So, there's not much that you don't know about golf rules, and there is some stuff to talk about later on. Rocket, where do we where do we start? Where do we start with the uh, digestion of uh, the last couple of weeks? Colin, my mate, Cole. <laughs> well, he lost weight. <laughs> Colin, Colin beat JT in a playoff. So we go back uh, not last weekend's um, event, but the weekend before, and Colin Morikawa was the winner, beat JT in a playoff. and The Workday Charity Open. Yes, and he is a personal favourite of yours, the uh, Morikawa man. So what did, a weapon. What did you how take? How good were the putts? Oh, how good was everything? How good was everything? It's, fu- it's funny. So um, a lot of people talk about JT, you know, throwing away a three-shot lead, but people forget that um, Colin had a three-shot lead after 36. He threw away, you know, the, the the lead at the half after the halfway mark. So usually, you know, that's that can sort of lead to a continued downward spiral. And the beauty of the tournament going, oh, we need to beat some of the weather. 
is they played in threes and the final group was great. You just leave the camera on that group. You had JT, Colin and Victor Hovland. Like everyone else just don't even bother with a camera. Just follow those those three guys, which they essentially did. And it was just a nice, good jostle between all of them. All three of them were right in it up until about 12 or 13. And uh, then uh, Hovland started to make a few mistakes. And then it was just a uh, JT, Colin, crack. And then even after 15, when JT holds the eagle part, He's got a three-shot lead with three to play. I didn't lose faith in my man Cole. Did not lose faith in my man Cole. It's clutch. It's clutch. Clutch birdie on clutch. Yeah, I think impressive. a 9-9 hit into 16. Then one, the putty rolled in on 17. And the one he wibbled in to make the playoff on, on, on 18. But his whole round, like you go the fourth hole, on par three, just striped it. The fifth, the par five, he's hit a five wood in there to like four feet. Then uh, one, two, three, four, six, seven, this, uh, 12, par three with that um, front left pin, I think it was. Just stripes one in there to about three feet. Then the par four, when JT lays up, takes a driver and hits it through the neck, like an eight-yard neck onto the green to about 15 feet, two putts of birdie. Even 15, he just hacked his way through that one and he holds an absolute clutch, like seven-footer for par to keep the momentum. He's clutch. He's a nice man. I love him. I love Cole. Then you got the first playoff hole. Oh, well, he's got the playoff. First playoff hole, JT holds an absolute just miracle bomb. It sounds really weird when you hear JT going, oh, come on, and there's no crowd. Um, and then Cole has a 25-footer down the hill, drains it, drains it. Yes. He's the Iceman. He's the Iceman. Blakey, did you watch much of that uh, tournament? Is that part of your remit to sit down and, and watch as much of the uh, the pro game as you can? Uh, I wish. Uh, it's sort of – it's usually – like I like watching golf, but I have sort of other things that I need to do on a Monday morning. Uh, but if a rules thing pops up, I'll know about it through 20, 30 people sending me the video – asking me what happened on whatever hole, what what did you just see, explain this. Um, so I, I soon find out about it that way. But then, you know, you see the PGA Tour, they post all their um, awesome shots on uh, Instagram. So you basically watch most of it. And I just couldn't believe it. those, you know, JT holds his 50-footer and then Colin holds that, was it 22-foot or something? Wow, that was just spectacular. Huge. Rocket in the man crush stakes. <laughs> where Brooks is still number one, correct? <laughs> oh yeah, he's so close to my heart. It's not even funny. <laughs> now, just for the benefit of those listening at home, um, Rocket and Blakey have just met, didn't know each other, just jumped onto a Zoom here, and we're talking and looking at each other on the screen. And Blakey just introduces himself and says. Brooks is, you know, we've got to try and get Brooks on, Brooks on the uh, the podcast. And, you know, I think, Blakey, you jumped into the man crush uh, ladder there at that moment when you, you know, professed that Brooks is uh, one of your favourites, you know, because he's certainly still number one on Rocket. But where does Colin, oh, yeah. where does Colin sit, uh, Rocket, in your list of man crush golfers? Oh, he'd have to be at least second at second. the moment. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. 
second. Can we can we keep going? Thirteenth in the world. It's quite down the list. Can we actually make a top ten of our Rockets man crush list? Yeah, we, that might get some traction. People might like. <laughs> How about that. at the end of this? I'll I'll make a list while we're doing this, and I'll read it out at the end. Okay, you're on. Blakey, you got any other favourites that you might want to reel off now? Who do you like to uh, watch when you do scroll through some of that uh, PGA Tour feed? Oh, I like that Matt Wolf. I reckon that's just, you know, a very unique swing. Just love watching it. Don't know how he does it, um, but it's great. Yeah. Um, he's, he's in the Brat Pack. He's in, he's in Rocket. He'd be in Rocket's Brat Pack. Yeah, he's in there. you got you got the trio, right? you got Wolf, Hovland, um, and um, Morikawa. Yeah, like, And then there's um, uh, Scotty Scheffler. There's a few that came out kind of at the same time. Cameron Champ. Do like Cameron Champ? Yeah. He smashes it. Too slow for, for me. Too slow for Rocket. Uh, don't, don't get me on slow play. <laughs> Talk about that later. Well, that's one of my favourites about Brooks is that he plays so far. So is there anything else that happened in that tournament, uh, Rocket, that caught your eye? Um, well, a couple of things. So Jason Day in his fifth tournament in a row and his bad back is back. And uh, so he finished T7th. So he played all right. Matty Jones played T14 and most of the other Australians missed a cut. So he had Davis, Bads and Percy and Leach missed a cut. Um Actually, the other the, the the we'll call it the nice little story was um, guy. I can't remember how he got into the tournament. I don't know if he qualified or he got a got a um, exemption. So Chase Seifert, who finished, I think he finished fourth, and he was played on the same um, golf team at Florida State with Brooks Kepka and a few other boys. Um, actually, who else? I think Daniel Berger was in the same team. I could be wrong. Or it might be confusing with J- with Alabama with JT. I have to double check. But yeah, there was a you know he's like the last of the the the, the group from Florida State to sort of make it, and so he, he played quite conservatively sort of down the stretch to make sure he had enough money. So he actually might make the um, uh, the FedEx the way all the tournaments are going. He might actually make the FedEx Cup playoffs, which would be huge for him and give him some secure status for next year and some coin. So that was quite a cool story. What was cool storyline? What was his name again? Chase Seifert. Chase Seifert. Or Seifert, Seifert, as they would call him. S e i double f e r t. Yeah. Okay. Americans so, and their pronunciations. Oh, we'll, we'll put it. We'll put a watch alert on uh, Chase Seifert. Now, what about last weekend's tournament? The Memorial. Yeah. What, what made it more interesting is it's like um, it's either Jack or the PGA Tour. Someone made the decision to let's trick this course up because Jack was going to rip it up, um, and the wind got up. There's a little bit of rain, but the course started to get really firm and fast, and it showed because there were certain players that would play a certain way, and when the course is firm and fast, and if you're not a good iron, iron uh, player, you get found out. Um, they played the course two weeks in a row, right? Yeah. And yeah. so... It held up pretty good. 
And held up. And didn't they have like a thing on? Uh, well, it was only one group, but didn't they have a thing on Wednesday with Ian Poulter? And that was at the same course, wasn't it? Yeah, they had a nine-hole um, charity thing. So you had um, Poults and Graham McDowell versus Tony Finau and um, John Rahm. Yeah, I think it was John Rahm. Yeah. Actually, yeah. the best thing about that was um, the stitch-up for Graham McDowell's um, fitness guy. His fitness guy was caddying for him for nine holes. Yeah. And and um, Poltz and McDowell said, "Let's see how many water bottles we can get into um, McDowell's right. bag to see see how heavy we'd make it for him." And That's like, right. so the, I think they got like thirteen water bottles in there. So it's essentially like nearly twelve kilos of extra weight that the guy was carrying by the time he finished. <laughs> he was a bit knackered. I, <laughs> I just um, yeah. So that course. Uh, been played on two weeks in a row. I, I that's an amazing feat just for that court. Like you know, just the maintenance crew, everyone, how they would have had to wake up at the you know three three thirty in the morning every day, and then you know finding all the pins there because once you you know put a hole position, it gets walked over, and then they would have had to. Not every green would have had. You know, because you've got practice days as well. So you've got, I don't know if they, they probably well, don't one have of the, pro-am during COVID, but you've got practice no, days. No, they have none. And you've got a no. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday pin. So to find that many hole locations over two weeks, that is unbelievable. Like, so they would have just, because they knew that they were ripping it up, they would have stressed that course out so yeah. much. So what they did in the first week is they ran the greens really slow. So, uh, I don't know if you know, or even, you know, I only learned this recently, is that on the tour, um, because of the speed they run the greens, they're not allowed to put a pin, not allowed to put a pin on a spot that has any more than two degrees slope. So what they did is they they ran them slower, which allowed them to put them into the spots and corners where there were like four and five. So, for example, the second hole, they put it into this back right corner and JT last week, I think it was in the second round. He was in the second round. He had like an eight foot putt and had three foot break. And so it was, it was, that made it even better because for the whole week, because the greens were slow, they put him in all the pins that they would not use for the tournament. So they put him in all the corners and stuff like that. And then you see professionals having eight footers that, Instead of being like inside left cup, it's like I got to play a footer break. So all of a sudden, you could see them playing a game that they were not quite used to. So um, when you say slow, uh, they still would have been about ten. Yeah, that's ten. Probably, that's probably the slowest that the the players would ever accept. May yeah. maybe on a Lynx course you could maybe go nine ten or nine nine or nine ten, but um, any slower than that, and that's just you smash it with a driver. But they yeah, the, but they but the pins they did they tucked them in some they tucked them in some great spots. That's awesome. And that's the unfortunate thing is that some of those greens and some of those courses they're built to have some strange pins and you never use them if they're that's just right. the greens are too fast, which is a shame. And some of the some of the best putting is actually better putters are on shine on slower greens because then if you have to put them in weird spots, play a bit more break rather than 
I've got a chalk line eight footer. Right. That's a good point. So, Blakey, from a rules and officiating perspective, you know, is there any complexities around, you know, anything that would have um, difficulty for, you know, your guys on same course two weeks in a row? Just no, uh, no, no. The, the good thing about it is you don't have to use as much paint to mark the course because it's already been marked the week before. Yeah. So you just have to go over it a little bit, but um, probably not as much as you you would during one week. Um, so so that's probably one good thing. But yeah, just looking at the pin positions, the tee, the tees as well. Um, I think they may have played a little bit shorter last week. Rocket, they mixed, they mixed them up. So yeah, the, I right. think the first so the first week there were some holes. So I think week one. Uh, especially the 14th hole, they played a couple right up the. They cut a couple oh, short, and then the last, and then they played a heap of tees back. Part That's three, because, uh, they mixed them up. Phil drove one, and Victor drove one, and. That's right, but I think I think the weekend, the week that we just had, that was nearly as far as you could go because that you know, and it uh, shows in the scoring as well. Oh, I think they just went. Oh, let's see how far we could push it, because <laughs> it was it was good. The fairways were firm, and the, the beauty is that at Jack's course, right, is that um, because it was playing firm, it made actually moving the ball critical for the Memorial. Because, so for example, the first hole, you know, the f- first week they're just blasting away, but the thing is, though, as soon as they started, so in the Sunday pin, you had it tucked back left. And you couldn't, you could just blast away, but you'd be in the junk on the left. So, and then depending on your lie, are you going to get it in there? And there was a ridge, there's a spine that hits right through the middle of the green. If you hit it the wrong spot, it's going far right or you're going long. And then the fairway camber is hard right to left and the tee shot is right, is left to right. So it was just one of those things, unless you were shaping your ball, um, there were things that were happening in fairways where I've played Olympic, and the Olympic club is exactly that. If the hole's right to left, the fairway's right, left to right. Everything mm-hmm. is counterintuitive to the, the 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 way the hole goes, and you actually have to think about your tee shot to make sure you have it in the fairway in the right spot to have it is the right angle into the second shot. It's just um, it's a great test of uh, shot making. Speaking of shot making and also back to your top 10 favourites, which I'm expecting this person to firmly be in there, did did Phil have two drivers back in play? Oh, I don't know. Oh. Who knows with Phil at the moment? He's such a, I don't know. I just, uh, okay. I just thought I saw something there, but uh, anyway. I love Phil, but my goodness, he's weird. <laughs> Must be his old age or something like that. Hey, <laughs> Blakey, while we're talking about tournament, what would what would a typical and you've officiated at some you know, fairly sizable tournaments both here and in uh, various parts around the world? What's a typical week look like from a official's perspective at a tournament? Uh, it depends if you're the um, well, some call them the advanced official, or some call them the tournament director. Um, you you know. If you're that person, then you're going to turn up at least a week early um, and you would have gone to the course uh, a few times during the year to check it out and make sure it's all going well. But, you know, you, you're you there a week early 
and you're just starting to do all the setup, um, making sure the course is looking absolutely uh, perfect. Right, you don't make sure it looks. You work with the greenkeeping staff and just tell them what you want for the the tournament when it's being played. So um, if there's some soft areas, uh, you want that sort of dried out. If there's some really too dried, uh, too dried, um, overly dried areas. You want that sort of uh, wetted, uh, wet, softened up with some water. Uh, if you're just a, I say just a referee or an official, um, you're either turning up there on the Sunday night or the Monday morning, um, and you're being available to the players uh, because it's basically one of these tournaments is just. I mean, this is. Everyone knows this, but uh, it's basically just a club, you know. Um, Roscoe, you're a member at Peninsula. It would just be like um, Peninsula plays down in Frankston um, and then the next week they play in Mornington and the next week they play in um, Flemington and the next week they play in 13th Beach or something like that, you know. You're just taking all the members around so that's the basis of it, what it is. So the, the people like us, the referees, we actually work for the players. Um, so when we're giving a crappy ruling to a player, it's because we're giving them a crappy ruling on behalf of all the other players. Right. Um, and, that, and then you've got this, um, this book of, of rules and so everyone knows what they are before they start the game and that's what we apply to all those situations. Uh, so you're just trying to be as fair as possible to everyone using these regulations, even though it looks like it's a crappy situation at the time. Gotcha. Uh, so then, uh, so we're just there available to the players answering any questions that they might have or any queries. Um, and we're just making sure that the whole course in terms of local rules um, is all set up because you know, if you haven't marked a spot, it's almost, it's Murphy's Law, it's almost 100% true that a ball will end up being there um, during the week. And then you've got to, then that, that's harder. That's, you've got to try and work out um, what kind of relief the player um, might get or shouldn't get at all. Uh, so, you know, on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just making sure the course looks good and it's uh, the lines are all drawn uh, any areas that are uh, need to be looked after for GUR or uh, or anything like that um, making sure that um, working out where the wind is going to be weather is huge in a golf tournament um, so you've got to plan for the weather the worst thing is you could put all your flags um, you know have a plan for all your flags and all the um, all the high spots because you think it's going to rain and you don't want them in the low spots. Otherwise, you know, the, the rain's going to pull there and it's more likely that the hole will become unplayable. So you put all your flags in the high spots. The rain doesn't come. It turns out to be 40, 50 Ks an hour wind and then it becomes unplayable. Um, that's the hardest the hardest thing with Lynx courses is that can happen quite um, quickly. Seven Australian quickly. Open at Royal Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, it, it happens, and it can be, it, you know, 
you, you try as best you can not to, to, to you try best you can to avoid those situations but sometimes you can't control the weather so um, and then you know once uh, the tournament starts on Thursday just making sure that um, all the players make their tea times um, you know if if it doesn't the, the starter um, does his best to uh, tell the referees when the players are um, whether they aren't there, you know, if they haven't come and collected their scorecard. And then we'll go and search the practice greens and the driving range for those players that haven't turned up. But after that, it's just basically the players have teed off and we just look after pace of play. Yeah. Rules and giving rulings are um, do it as quick as possible so we can continue the pace of play. Because Thursday and Friday, especially if you've got big fields like 148, 156 fields, um, then you're just going to try and get them through before, um, you know, the sun uh, pisses off before before it gets too dark that they can't play or they, they complain about playing. So, yeah, it's uh, it, the rulings are not even that big a, uh, an issue when you're running a golf tournament. It's all about sort of pace of play and, and making sure the players are happy and, and then hopefully the spectators will enjoy what they what they what we're putting on because it's it's all about entertainment. Can I ask what's the trickiest or hairiest or most controversial scenario that you've had to, d- to deal with in a tournament scenario? Oh, you've popped one on me. Uh, yeah, no. Usually, I usually be pretty good with this, but uh, um, oh, it's probably dealing with a big crowd around you um when like I, I sort of block that out but they uh some people sort of like to shout some things out and you're just trying to have a conversation with a player um and you might be penalizing them um and you know you just you've got the it's just the rules it's it's not me I, i'm not you know it reminds me of the the guy in happy gilmore and he comes into and you know, and the heavy going, he goes, "Oh, we have to take your house." Um, it's not me. Or, or you know, he starts off with, "We have to take your furniture," and he goes, "Oh, what do you mean you have to take your furniture?" Well, it's it's not me. I'm not taking your furniture over my house. And then he goes, oh, "I've got to take your house as well." But it's it's not me that's giving you the penalty. It's these are the rules. You breach them, you get the penalty. Um, so some of those big ones that I've um, done, you know, it's pretty simple. It's like it's a penalty or it's not a penalty or they have to tee it up again or whatever. Um, but, you know, the crowd will yell out stuff. Um, oh, I'll let him, let him get off it or uh, he didn't do anything wrong. And you're just going, well, I, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, um, these are the rules. I don't know. I don't think you've re- uh, read them, but uh, I'll, I'll, if I remember one, I'll, I'll um, jump in. We'll and, come back and to that. that. All right. Yeah. So, Rocket, what uh, what were the outtakes from the weekend, mate? There was a, a change of the guard at the top of the OWGRs. That was a bit of a... Yeah, John Rahm with the win. Oh, I paid zero attention to it. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I didn't realise that he was going to be world number one with the win. Um, so, 
bang, there you go. I think I think Phil Mickelson's actually won some money on that. Yeah, what's the story there? Oh, he, 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 I want to hear that one. Yeah. Oh, there's a few. So there's a few John Rahm ones, um, but because John Rahm played at Arizona State University and was like world amateur number one for like 95 weeks, um, has the second most collegiate wins at Arizona State, second to Phil. Um, Phil's brother was a coach there, um, and Phil's brother left coaching there to be John Rahm's manager, and then left doing that to be left his um, caddy when Bones decided to um, hang up the hang up the, the strap. But then I think um, he. I'm trying to think with Rahm. I think he bet a heap of people that he would be. Oh, it was with um, oh, who was it? It's Jason Sobel. I come and uh, I heard the story today. No, it's someone else, and he, he bet them a heap of cash that John Rahm would be in the top ten, like within twelve months or something like that. And people have just taken it massive odds, and he was borderline with about three months to go and then he went on this tear, won a couple of tournaments and it's like collect, 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 collect. Phil's just a machine. And I think he had him pegged I think he had him pegged as number one. We'll be number one before twenty five. Wow. Well he did sneak up. You know you're right. And Blakey, you you know, we don't don't be um Surprise, but you know, there's not a whole heap of pre advanced preparation that goes into these Roscoe and Rocket epi- episodes. They are pretty much just fly for the suit of your pants stuff. And strap on. And the Rambo uh, coming up to number one, you know, we didn't talk about it a couple of weeks ago because it wouldn't no. have been on the radar, but it did sneak up on, on us. And you know, he had to win to get it. Um, it was pretty, it was a pretty impressive final. Oh, he was, he was, he was sensational. So, the first two rounds was a little bit on the boring side, um, and I think that was sort of a bit more of the leaderboard than anything. And I think the course became the course became the superstar over the weekend, which was fantastic. But purely, um, Ram for the last two rounds. So I think he, he was three behind Tony Finau after the halfway mark. I'd have to double check. But the way he played for the for Saturday Sunday. He was, he's, he was really good. He was really good. And it's funny. It's almost like I feel like his swings got shorter. He's got like one of the shortest back swings. But my goodness, he gives it an almighty thump. It was, um, it's good to watch him. A- apart from that, the only other thing worthwhile watching was, um, again, Jason Day, six weeks in a row, how his back wasn't sort of protruding from from his skin, <laughs> he was really struggling, but he putted the absolute eyeballs out of it. His iron play was actually really good, um, and he finished tied for fourth. Um, there were some notables missing the cut. My mate Bryson. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. That was the best. That's the best. Um, who else? Is, uh, oh, actually, the other person I was really pleased with and um, I don't think he's playing this week, but it'll be. I think he might have turned a corner, and that was Mr. Spieth. Mm. Finished tied 13th, but he didn't putt well. Like his iron play, so strokes gained tee to green, 
So his driver was a bit average, but iron play was back to the Jordan Spieth that we know. And the fact that he didn't putt, he putted actually quite poorly. So maybe he's turned a corner and it, I still, if he can somehow mentally just figure out he's actually a good driver and remember that he's a good driver of the golf ball, if he gets that right again, we'll see him fly back up the top because everything else, if he's got irons in his hand, wedges and putter, that hasn't changed. It's just, it's in his head with the driver. Um, who else? Now, just to bring Blake up to speed there, so Rocket has uh, had a bit of a, you know, not a crack, that's not the right word, but he's he has been very um, vocal. For, vocal, forthright in pointing out that, you know, Jordan's shortcomings in his game and his slip in the world rankings and, and some of the thought, his thoughts on on uh, why. But to hear him actually, you know, start to, to, to chum him up a bit and his what I'm going to say is his predictions are very, very reliable. If if you wanna if you want to uh, get an insight into what might be, you know, the future of golf in, in the tournament's perspective, Rocket has made a fair few correct predictions along the journey. Just saying that. So started with Tiger. Started with Tiger and uh, you know, and the Jordan Spieth one might come might come to fruition. So, you know, we're gonna review this in, you know, twelve months and we'll just have a little bit of a recap, maybe at the end of the year, but uh, and just see where Jordan finishes up. There you go. That's a, just a bit of an infill for you, uh, Blakey man. Um, the and other he, one, so DJ, he was horrible. He shot eighty eighty. I don't know. I reckon he just wanted to get back to his boat. Or something. He doesn't. Like that. He, he wins what tournament, and then he just doesn't care for the rest of the year, isn't it? That's what it looks like. That's probably that's probably the worst I've seen him play. He was terrible. I'm I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he was over it. He's just like I don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, Max Homer missed the cut, and actually, anyone that wants it. I love Max Homer. He's on my he's on my top ten list. Um, so the episode that he so the podcast that he and Shane Bacon do get a grip. It's so good because he talks about like he's so open about what he does. So he talks about his mentality and his um, basically relationship with him and his caddy during Muirfield and how he was playing for like thirty minutes. And it's just captivating stuff to hear a player, to a player, talk about the mental game, the approach, all these other things about him actual self and being really critical. Even talks about how his wife has got into him, saying he's being a little whiner and he needs to he needs to basically pull his pants up and stop being a whiner. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, although the one interesting thing, they started going through some players and um, – Talk, started talking about I can't remember how they got onto the mental game because I think it was a, an offshoot of conversation they had about Bryson, and um, he said, "Oh, who's the who's the best mental game player in terms of you know?" Oh, sorry, digressing. They're talking about John Rahm when he basically took a divot out of one of the tees after he's had a hit a bad tee shot, and he said, "Oh, who's the most calmest person or player on on tour?" And he talks about that. It's quite interesting, good insights. But he said, oh, Webb Simpson, he's like he's like the calmest dude on the planet. And he goes, oh, Joe, his caddy, he goes, he reckons Webb Simpson's mental game gives him um, plus four strokes gain before he gets to the first tee. 
Really? Yeah. Is that why I guess yeah. that's that's why he's the babysitter? Because <laughs> you can just handle handle anything. Nothing, oh, nothing um, phases yeah, it. Yeah, 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 the babysitter. Sorry, I just sort of got into – That's your Another own. one of my favourites. Sorry. Your, that's, I, that's your own stuff, mate. I'm repeating back to you, mate. I know. Yeah. But I've got so much gold, Roscoe. I yeah, can't remember it all. Yeah. Um, so, and that, you know, that makes sense for Webb Simpson. He's just a, you know, he's not on my top ten, but he's a machine. But apart from that, that was um, – Memorial was great, but, yeah, Bryson – 15th hole, Bryson. It's so good. So he was so far inside the cut line. And then? He'd been hitting the snappies all day. And this is why I've done, this is the thing. Everyone can talk about the other four tournaments and sure he won and sure I look like a goose, but the ox, the earth turns slow and the ox will walk forever. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Blake. And Bryson. The earth turns it's, slow. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Just a matter of time. I will I will be proven right in the long run. I will be proven right in the long run. Because the, the course, you need to be a stroke maker, as I said. The course got tough. And Bryson's found wanting because you actually have to shape the ball. You can't just bash it. He was killing everyone off the tee. Killing everyone. He was the longest, straightest driver. So he was hitting it longer than anyone. He was hitting more fairways. But as I said, his iron play, his wedge game, rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And he missed the cut. He shouldn't have missed the cut if he wasn't an idiot. Because he gets the 15, he'd been sitting little snappies all day, and he snapped one on 15, and he's in the junk. He's like one over, cut was going to be four. Chip it out, dude. Just chip it out. But no, let's have a lash with a three wood. And he's hit it out of bounds. Well, let's just have, let's a, have li- a lash with another three wood. Well, and he hit it out of bounds. Let's just have a listen. Let's to have it. a lash with another three wood. And he nearly hit it out of bounds again. Rocket, you're excited. Let's just have a listen to the audio before we do that. Oh, please. Before we do that, I, I, I just want to rewind a little bit back to John Rahm. And you just said ball striker and all that sort of, and shot maker. It's no surprise to me that John Rahm is world number one. It's no surprise to me that he wins on a course that's firm and fast because he's got form in those environments. And it absolute great win. You know, he taking back to the Lynx courses, you know, he's always done well in the Lynx courses. And you know I'm a big lover of Lynx courses and the players that play well and transition their game. So it was massive. Anyway, let's have a look, have a listen to the uh, audio, audio of Bryson. And this is courtesy of... Uh, of um, the Golf Rules Questions YouTube channel. You can go onto the Golf Rules Question YouTube channel and subscribe to Blakey's YouTube channel. He posts prolifically on there videos that he reposts from uh, the tour, videos of his own, and, you know, it basically will provide you enough information in there or a heap of information um, to answer a lot of your questions in a very fun and, uh, and light-hearted style. I certainly like the, uh, the, cow, the cow dung video. Uh, Blakey, yes. uh, you know, we had a shit lie. Yep, thank you. That was my uh, pun my pun persona coming out. I've sort of got a couple of... Uh, well, there was, about se- there was about seven puns in that little video there uh, right I, from the start. It was, it was, absolute, it was, absolute field day. It was puns, golf rules. How could I lose with It was that? borderline genius, borderline genius. Anyway, let's see if this, uh, this works. It goes for a little bit. Uh, I might edit it uh, down a little bit, but let's just listen to the whole thing for the... Uh, 
for for our own benefits mate, mainly. Yeah, it's fun. I'm not sure what the rules are now, but I think I guess he's got an option. He can he can drop it or not drop it, but he can certainly No, no, no. But I mean going after trying no, to carry it. outside. Yeah. Ball's outside the hazard check. So he's he is, playing he, it. He has to stand in it? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. But he's going for it, Jack, with this club blind. What do you think about that? Um, oh, I'm, my God. I've got a bounce. Oh, there you go. Well, there's your decision. Nobody thinks about that it now. Went, that went straight round. It is. He's correct. Oh, my gosh. That is some club selection. I guess he's going to have another go. Do you do it again? Yeah, he's going to do it on Arnold Palmer. Take a 13 down at par five. Oh, boy. I, I mean, at this point, you go back for more? Yep. Yeah, yeah, why not? Well, you're one over right now. Yeah, well, you're, going, you're more than one over now. You, 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 I mean, your clock's ticking. Feeling just a touch yes. off the left. Oh my gosh. There's another one, <laughs> oh. exactly the same spot. Well, that's tough to do. It's out of bounds also. Yes, it? it is. Yeah. Seventh shot. This is going to be seven. I think, he six. I, I think he'll tin cup it. I really do. <laughs> he's going to tin cup it. <laughs> so that means he's got to get it into play and then hole. He's got a hole of whatever, a hole of five wood for an 11 or whatever it was, 12. Wow. Somebody, somebody call Kevin Costner quick. Got to go through it. He's got to find out when is smart to do what, when is smart to do not. Okay. He never had this before. Trying to watch, knock a seven, seven that. onto okay. the. I'm gonna hit one. I'm gonna lay it up. Is did that he, three? Did he do it again? In the same spot? Did he do it? You're joking. He's well, oh, no. no, that's in bounce. That's, that's in bounce. Sweet. Just oh, gonna go nearly just to the penalty area. Short of. Uh, that ball is out of bounds. We're looking at right now. The boundary line is the fence. So uh, he is. Uh, there you go. Up to this point. After shooting 73 in the opening round. So there you go. That was uh, a modern-day tin cup moment. You've got the arguably the greatest golfer of all time commentating with uh, some other uh, classic golfers, you know, Nick Faldo, just in absolute gobsmacked awe of what was happening and unfolding in front of them. And, Blakey, you know, you might give us a uh, takeover from there and, and just let us know what actually happened there. Yeah, so he's hit one into the PA, into the red PA, um, off the tee. So that's one. He's taken a drop. That's two. Uh, then he's hit one out of bounds. That was the one that was under the fence, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, so then he's hit a provisional. Um, well, uh, I think he said provisional. Uh, he's definitely smashed that one way out of bounds. And then he's dropped another one. So uh, I think, yeah, that ended up being uh, his seventh shot. Uh, now he's gone down there and, okay, the second, the first provisional's gone, but the, the original ball, he's looking at it and he's like, it's under the fence. So surely that's in bounds. Now, a, out of bounds is defined by, 
when it's out of bounds is defined by fence. So obviously a committee has, and we just sort of talked about it before, when you're setting up a golf course, um, if there's natural fences there that are the boundary of the course, you're just going to leave them there and, you know, the rules take care of itself. If there's an area that you need to white line, um, you white line it. Um, and, and, you know, like, and then another one might be a physical feature, like Pebble Beach, they don't actually have any out of bounds on, you know, the seventh hole on the right. It's just Pacific Ocean. So it's a PA going forever. So if you manage, if, you know, maybe Bryson a couple of years, he hits one into Australia, his ball's still in bounds. Um, but if it's, if it's been defined by fence, as this one was, it's the inside of the posts at ground level. It's nothing to do with the railings. It's nothing to do with netting, if there was netting there. It's the inside of the posts at ground level. And all your ball, post to post, all your ball has to be is has to be a little bit uh, crossing that post to post on the inside, on the core side um, of those posts. It just has to be touching the course. None of his ball was touching the course. It was uh, on the outside of the post, underneath the railings, out of bounds, and he thought that he knew better than the referee. I mean, this is one of the most basic rules. It's just a definition. Um, And it was just, it was a little bit annoying that uh, he didn't realise this one. But in his mind, because the earth is curved, that means the boundary line... (laughs) Must have a curvature, and then he tried to argue the Phil Mickelson playing it from the other side of a, a net. I think it was a Bay Hill or somewhere like that. And yeah. but it was still very clear. It was like, yes, you've got that fence line. Yes, your ball might be right on it, but if you go post to post, your ball is it's out. Sunshine knows the rules. Let's so one let's, of his, one of the arguments was that, oh, but what if it was a white stake to, you know, what he said, I think he said white fence, but what he meant was white stake. But same thing. If you've got two white stakes, it's the inside of the white stake to the next inside of the next white stake. And the one with Phil Mickelson, I've actually posted that one. Um, Maybe not on YouTube, I should get it up there, but on Instagram. And Phil's ball was on the inside of the post. And so Phil stood on the other side of the fence and hit a little underneath the fence type punch shot. Um, but his ball was in by this. Bryson's was out by this. Let's let's just see if we can pick up uh, Ken Tackett, uh, the PGA Tour uh, tournament referee was on hand there. Let's see if we can pick up some of the commentary. I'm not exactly 100% sure what this is going to say, but let's just see if we can get some of that. And so from my perspective, that would be technically still in from my perspective of it. That and I was just wondering if I could hop the fence and hit it from the other side. Well, the definition for the for, for defining boundaries would be from this post to the next post at ground level. And, mm-hmm. and if, if, any the, if there was a white post there, it'd be the same. So you're saying if it was... Well, okay, so let me ask you a question about Phil Mickelson on 9 and 10. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer, he hit from the opposite side of the fence, so I'm kind of confused. The, you're talking about the mesh fence? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, week in, week out, it's different, but it's still there. Week in, week out, it's different. Not, not that. I'm just saying that that was defined by mesh fencing, okay? 
this here is defined by this this black metal fence, okay? Okay. And when you have a fence, it's from post to post, and the, the fence they, inside they is on. it on the front part of it? Yeah, so it, it would be from this point right here. And you're right, if any, port, any portion of it were touching any portion of the course, it would be. But unfortunately, that, that ball is just outside that. that. All right. So that's where he picks his ball up and spits the uh, toy, throws the toys out of the pram and uh, goes off to play his uh, seventh shot. Well, exactly as you described it, Blakey, it, for us everyday golfers, you know, just the, the mere mortals that get around the courses of the world uh, like we do, it's pretty simple to understand that it's the post. <laughs> so I don't understand, understand why he got it wrong, but Rocket, you were going to say? And you contrast that with... I, th- I think it was a little bit of a debacle, but how John Rahm reacted to being told he had a two-shot penalty, uh, and and that was after the round. Mm. Well, let's talk about that because that was the other uh, rules infraction that uh, you know popped its head up on the weekend. It was a great weekend for me. Yeah, you were busy. Your phone would have been buzzing at all hours in the morning. You would have just got up to about thirty-seven thousand messages. But, but before that, how good was the shot? Like, wow. really? Unbelievable. Like, that was clutch. Even though he stood four in front, it was clutch. And then what made it even better is that, so him and Ryan Palmer, who are quite good friends, um, even as he's walked past, Ryan Palmer puts his hand out as he's trying to chase him down, put his hand out just to give him a high five on the way through. I thought that was just awesome. Um, and then, yeah, the rule thingy, midjiggy. So what happened there, Blakey? Yeah, so um, he was lining up to hit this chip shot um, or a little semi-half-flop shot there, and uh, the TV camera picked up when they did a a close-in that his ball moved by maybe two millimetres. So then Twitter went in meltdown. Um, You know, Instagram, all the socials went into meltdown. Um, people can pick that stuff up, record it, and put it on social media faster than you can um, boil the kettle. Uh, and so the, the PGA would have known about it, like, literally straight away uh, because they have someone watching the TV. And so, and then the chat would have come. So then they would have had to determine whether, because it was obvious that uh, John had never seen it, when he was actually tapping the grass, he was probably looking at the hole, you know, working out his shot. Um, so there's a, there's a high like high likelihood that he just didn't see it because he wasn't looking at it. And it was also so the the ball actually more it, it kind of went down more than it went like to the side. So for, from his perspective, he wouldn't see anything because the ball kind of went down more than it than it rolled out of position. You know, and he wasn't like he didn't improve his life like Patrick Reed would. No, no, he, he certainly didn't improve his life. I mean, you are allowed to lightly ground your club, and you know, that's what he was doing. He was just lightly grounding his club behind the ball. Um, probably what the worst thing was was that the tailor made thing, you know, logo. <laughs> there you go, there's your drop in. Um, that was pointing 
that was pointing this way and then it's just ever so slightly tilted so that's either pointing straight up the sky or, or now pointing um, a little bit um, west type um, but what would have happened in the in the TV truck they would have they probably would have sent that um, footage to, to the USGA and said what do you think is this how you would rule would you um, breach the player or would this not be visible to the naked eye and I can't tell you exactly how the conversation would have gone down. Um, I would have thought that they would say, look, we think it is visible to the naked eye. Um, and the PGA Tour are going, hmm, let's just see if he wins and how and how much he wins by. And then we'll determine whether he needs to be uh, penalised or not. Um, and thankfully won by, what did he win by five and then down to three or four? I down think it's to four and down to two. Right. So, but personally, um, for me personally, and, and this is the, you know, the, the hated opinion, um, I don't think he did it on purpose. They absolutely did not do it on purpose. Um, he would just wouldn't, wouldn't have uh, seen it because he probably would look in the other way. Um, but do I think if he was looking at the ball when it happened, would he have seen that it moved? And because of that tailor-made sign just rolling over, I think um, that he would have, it would have been visible to the naked eye and therefore the penalty was just. Now, as I said, that's going to be the most hated opinion, but what I would like, and people go, oh, this is, this is a stupid rule, and obviously on the green it wouldn't be a penalty because it would be accidental, um, but you must put it back. Um, so he still would have got the two-shot penalty for not putting his ball back anyway if it had happened on the green. Um, but on the green, you're going to notice it a little bit more that it's it's rolled. Um, but especially if you've lined up um, the logo to putt down or, or whatever. Um, but what I would like to come out of it, instead of changing the rule, don't, don't ground your club so heavily behind the ball, you know, Keep it up. Um, just graze the grass. You don't need to be, you know, we've had so many, um, at the moment we have so many um, people looking at the, the ball and, and telling, uh, you know, saying that the pros press down behind the grass to improve their life. If they just didn't even touch the grass, then we'd never have that problem. Um, that's where I'd like to, to go. You got you, The rules say you've got to be careful behind your ball. So just don't, don't just be more careful. Don't cause your ball to move. That's that's my uh, opinion of how of where it should go. Well, Patrick doesn't cause his ball to move. He just makes the grass and sand move. Exactly, exact, exactly. I think they they should be penalised a bit more for that for pressing down the grass uh, more behind their ball. Proving you why deliberately. That, that, I hate it. I I just don't see why it's necessary to to do that in your pre-shot routine other than to improve your conditions. I still think it's probably one of the most uh, least understood concepts for the club golfer uh, in golf in that you can't move grass like that. You can't press your ball. Uh, you can't press the, gra- the club into the grass and your ball just rock a bit. You can't scrape a skerrick of 
dirt from behind your ball when you've got a stone there. You can't pull a stone out of the coocher with his. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I just think that uh, maybe, I, maybe I could be wrong, but I think that that sort of stuff happens in club golf on a far, far, far more regular basis than anyone cares to to even imagine. Oh, look, it's yeah, it happens. It does happen everywhere, right? You're not gonna, you know, out of the thousand people you have at your club, you're gonna have one or two that just but, bend the rules, right? Golf is like life. But so I, you're going to have a couple of um, peanuts. I don't think they. I don't think they actually fully understand it or know it. I just don't think that they're. That they, no, they do. They just. They just decide to bend the rules because they. Well, they say, oh, we're not, playing, we're not playing for Sheep Station. <laughs> yeah, that's and, it. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, we're not playing for Sheep Station. Just playing for a couple of bucks a hole. <laughs> I mean the the. The whole thing about it is, you know, the one principle is you you play the ball as it lies. If you've hit it into a, a terrible lie, that's that's your doing, you know. Um, the, the the best quote that I hear, uh, you know, other than the um, golf is like life and you just accept the good and the bad, um, the one that I like the most is um, golf is a game of um you know, a challenge of your personality before it's a challenge of your skill. So how you deal with situations, um, that's what golf is before it's actually how you swing and hit the ball. Um, that's what I like the most about golf. Mm. So, you know, I just, you, just because your ball is in the rough doesn't mean that you're allowed to press the grass down behind it. Um, just, you know, just leave it alone and, and they hover their club when they hit the tee shot. So why don't they hover their club when they they hover their club when they're in the bunker? So why don't they hover their club when they're um, beside the green? Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Blakey, it's we've probably uh, talked for a, for a wee bit um, <laughs> long, so we're probably not going to have heaps of time to go through all the contemporary rules issues that we've currently talked about. But that's okay because we that gives us the opportunity to save them for our big announcement. Uh, there, there might even be a drum roll on here somewhere. Uh, there might be a drum, drum roll. roll. Might be a drum roll on here somewhere. There we go. You've got a big... <laughs> <laughs> I've got all the technology, don't worry. Uh, this is is all... that a roll or is that uh, after one of Rocket's jokes? Yeah, both in this instance. Um, we've got some news, Rocket, for you. Blakey... Blakey's episode that we did, uh, it's probably maybe 10 episodes ago, is still one of the most downloaded episodes and, and one of the most um, popular episodes in terms of feedback. You know, a lot of people came back to me and said, you know, we loved hearing from Blakey about the rules and learning a little bit more and it's certainly an area that we all would like to stay more abreast of. And, you know, Blakey's... Um, been with his prolific nature on social media and with his YouTube, it just seems a natural progression for him to bring his voice to the world in the form of a podcast. So it's proud, proud of us, proud of Blakey on behalf of Blakey and I to announce that he's joining the network. <laughs> yeah. The mile of a golf network. He's going to take over the world. <laughs> golf, <laughs> golf rules questions uh, podcast will it's embryonic in its uh, concept at the moment, but it, it is a thing. And, uh, and Blakey's going to start a podcast and we're going to help him uh, with that. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're just going to be creating and delivering a lot of value to the golfers out there on a regular basis. What do you think well, about that? Yeah. Rocket? 
Well, it's going to be really. It'll, I think it'll be really good because, and, and there'll be a reason why it's most downloaded because it's a fun way to actually learn about the rules, um, even anything that might be happening in tournaments, <clears throat> understanding the scenarios, um, and then even just you know from what he's talked about now, you know, preparing for an event or you know. You think about a US Open, let's say they lose the greens again, you know, what what are the things that need to be thought about? So there's there's plenty of stuff and you know, for me, like I remember me I'm just the biggest nerd on the planet. I remember writing as a kid, I would have been fourteen, I wrote to the USGA and asking them to send me a USGA um, rule book because I had the R and A one, but I wanted to read the USGA one. So they sent me that, a bag tag. Uh, and some other sort of merch as well. And my dad would look at me like a weirdo because there I'd be on a Friday night sitting down in front of the fire reading the USGA rule book. That's why you're here, Rocket. You've got that uh, – that's the sort of value that I say every week that you bring to the listeners. The the nerd factor the, is through the roof with that little story. Uh, well done. Blakey, how do you feel about uh, me pushing you um, in towards doing a podcast, mate? Yeah, like – it's great. I, I really appreciate you being jumping on board and, and helping us out. And, you know, we're just here for the listener. We're here for the follower to help them out and uh, to educate them. You know, I've got all those socials, the, the Instagram, the YouTube, the Facebook, I've got a newsletter. It's, it's just out there to, to help everyday golfers understand, you know, um, we play the same rules as professionals um, the courses are slightly differently set up faster, harder, longer. Um, there are some local rules and we'll, um, I'm looking forward to talking about local rules that you'll find on the professional tour that you won't find in club golf and, and vice versa. So, um, yeah, we've got heaps to talk about. Um, so one of the main things or one of the, um, things that I'd love the followers to do is is ask a question and come on here and, and um, send us a, a question and we'll answer it every week. Um, so that that'll definitely you know getting out there. If you're obviously we're all in a, in Australia and you know some of the courses that uh, um, we may have played that followers uh, listeners um, can ask us about and we'll we'll say oh yeah I remember the to- uh, playing that hole and this is how it was set up and and this is how your local rules work out there. But, you know, we're going to find out about other courses around the world as well, and, and we'll be looking forward to that and, and answering the questions of all the uh, all the people that want to listen in. Well, mate, I think through this wonderful medium of uh, Zoom uh, that we now have learnt to use with some degree of efficacy for podcasting, that we might even have the opportunity to bring some people in, you know, bring some of those listeners in to ask their question and, you know, bring them face to face with uh, the man, the myth, and the legend that is Blakey Golf Rules. Questions, I love it. Oh, yeah, I would absolutely love that to, um, yeah, to hear from people around the around the world um, via this medium. That'd be great. Uh, you might have to listen to a few people from Scotland, like, but uh, that's all right, eh? <laughs> I got uh, someone put a comment on Instagram the other day saying. You know, my, it might have been about the Calpoo one. Um, just the fact that the education is, is great and he loved listening to my accent. I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was I fell off my chair. 
because I, I still don't know whether it's um if it's half Australian, it's half Kiwi, or it, it's whatever it is. And and I wouldn't say that our accent is uh, the Australian accent is very sexy. Apparently, the New Zealand accent was um, voted the most sexy um, accent in the world. But I'd say I've lost my New Zealand accent about ten years ago. So no. Um, Rocket, what's that? What's that, you, bro? Rocket, is it you? You reckon I've still got it? They reckon I've got uh, it's yeah. gone. I don't know. Um, I better go ask me, Max Tum and Full. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I've just, I've just got to go and grab something from the fridge. The chili bin. Oh, the chili bin. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, uh, on the weekend, on the Friday night, of my fush and my chops. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> enough. That's enough. Uh, Rocket, we, you promised us a list of top 10. In closing out this podcast, it's been another great one. It's been great to have you on, Blakey, and, and you've added a bit of levity and uh, just uh, another person in the mix of the, uh, the My Love of Golf podcast with Roscoe and Rocket. Rocket, what your top 10 fanboy, fan zone, fanzine, club, what's the list, mate? So I'll go 10 to 1. Um, but before everyone needs to remember, Matty Wolf is defending the Post-it Notes Classic this week. Oh, yes. Unfortunately, Bryson is not there, so the people at 3M were going to be very disappointed the fact that Bryson is not going to be there to help motivate them to reach their maximum human potential. <laughs> Isn't Bryson the 3M ambassador? No, he just went he to just, 3M oh, right. because he's a scientist and yeah. he wanted to go speak with all the scientists okay. and talk about their, you know, the, them reaching their maximum human potential. Okay. If there's going to be a rule, it should be rule, I don't know, 38, two shots for being a deal. Bryson would be issued that on the first tee every week. So, Blake, he's just right. sorry, Rocket Names is a thing and Rocket likes to give tournaments um, wacko to diddlio names and... The 3M. So Brooksy. Brooksy's my man. Brooksy's playing. He's going to be mad. He's already said he doesn't care about um, distance. Everyone else can basically do whatever they want. I don't care. I'm happy with my game. And uh, because it's up in Minnesota, not a great um, big field. Uh, Chase. So you get a, a package deal. You want Brooks to play. You get Chase with it as well. And um, I'll just do a quick rundown. There's a few playing. It's good Aussie contingent. Cam Davis, Cam Percy, John Fenden, Ren Gibson, Snake Chalmers, Bats, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a few good ones. Tim Heron, my namesake, Lumpy. Lumpy gets a turnout, Minnesota native. That'll be interesting. Good fun. Herbie's, and a couple of weeks before the uh, the PGA in Harding Park. Herbie's over there, tried to Monday uh, pre-Q, missed out by two shots. Yeah. Under, but, uh, I was shooting low. Mm. No, that's good. Hopefully he tries to um actually he might get a start next week in the um the week after in the Alligator Swamp Classic. <laughs> okay. Let's hope so. All right, let's go that's number ten. Jason Day. Mm. Okay. I love me some Jason Day. Okay. Even though I pick on him with his back and rolling around, it's just good content. But okay. I love Jason Day. Okay, I thought he'd be out there because he, you know, too quick to call on the chiropractor and do the uh, leg stretching, uh, <laughs> you know, and holes three to six. But that's, that's another one. I predicted he'd do that at the Masters too early. You have to go back and um, listen to that. Blake. I wish he'd come to Australia a bit more though. Yeah. Oh no, you'd have to reconstruct his back on the way out of here. Um, Scotty, Adam Scott, number mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished listening to his podcast with um, Mark Howard on Howie Games. Really good. Mm-hmm. Must listen. Uh, eight, the leash. My, my, uh, my lawn spirit god. 
<laughs> the leash. I love the leash. Um, he burnt his lawn again before uh, spring too. I don't know if you know that. On purpose, like uh, it's a, yeah, to on help, purpose. Help, help again, the regrowth, yeah. I love it. It's, the it's best, still the, the best video. That that four minutes is the best video of his his um, wife going. I come home. <laughs> And the lawn's on fire, and there's Mark and his dad in the in the kitchen just drinking beers, and the whole lawn is just completely on the fire. Like, let's go. It's part of the re the reseeding process. Yeah, it's great. Blakey, uh, Rocket lives on an estate out there in the eastern suburbs, and uh, he's a bit wet at the moment. It, it is an estate. He, he could fit two. Uh, three par threes in his front yard and he has a Husqvarna right on lawnmower and he does he does get around on the weekend and you know channel his inner Mark Leishman he does he does look up to Mark Leishman like an absolute lawn spirit god I I feel you Rocket I understand that still hasn't still hasn't received any uh, complimentary Leishman lagers but uh, no unfortunately no Uh, number six the big cat oh okay yeah number six easy the big cat uh, number five, Poltz, Ian Poulter. Oh. Yeah. I, I love watching him on Instagram. He, he's just – some of the stuff he puts out and his kids, they're just classics. And he's just um, – I don't know. I really like him. A lot of people think he's a bit of a tool bag, but I love Ian Poulter. He puts himself out there. And, you know, Connor Moore has taken the, the P155 out of him heaps and he just takes it on the chin. I love him. I think he's good. Good Arsenal fan. I'm always going to be behind an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Uh, number four, Speed. I know I get on him, but when he's in full flight and he's cocky, it's, it's pretty good to watch. Pretty damn good to watch. Sometimes those you love, you give the hardest time to. It's just a, yeah, it's just it's a way it's of showing some people show it's their tough love. Tough love, Roscoe. Mm-hmm. It's tough love. Jordan okay. understands, you yeah. know. Him and I, we talk. Yeah, right. Um, oh, I missed number seven. How did I do this? Max Homer. I love Max. Max uh, Homer's fantastic. I wonder if they'll give us a shout-out on the uh, on their podcast like you've give, yeah, like we've given them so. a shout-out on there. No, I don't think I don't so? Think okay. So. Right. Max, if you're listening, uh, you're number seven. Sorry for forgetting you, and we love a shout-out on your podcast. But anyway. Oh, we got a post from the Shotgun Start guys. That's all right. It is. Well, you're, you're prolific, prolific. Uh, number three, Lefty. Phil, even though he's getting weird in his old age with his insider trading shades, and um, I don't know. I, I just wish, I wish he would just stop. I don't know. He does my head in. Who knows what's going to happen? It's got, we've got the US Open in a few months, Wingfoot. Maybe he will just, I don't know, grow an adult brain for four days and finish out. Third Grand Slam, fingers crossed. He could do it anyway. Maybe he's driving it. Ter- he's driving yeah. it alive. If, if, if he if he just goes with the fairways and green strategy, he he uh, he could do anything. But anyway, maybe not. Number two, my man Cole, the Ice Man, the Ice Man. Actually, what was awesome is anyone should go. Someone people should go back and watch him in the last round and the. Dialogue between him and his caddy over shots. Just mic the boy up. Put a mic on the bag. I love hearing that sort of stuff. It was really, really good. It was really good. Um, and oh, also another one, uh, back to Max Homer, he talks about um, Colin Morikawa because they went to the same college and 
he talks about him like being a, as a freshman awesome insights and then obviously number one bryson oh no i was just joking brooks <laughs> <laughs> my man brooks how could you not love brooks and what makes it even better is that he taunts everyone like he taunted the. See the post he put on where um, it was from eastbound and down. So the Kenny Powers when he was accused of um, steroid abuse, and so he just posted that post um, Bryson's win, and it was just it was just a direct, basically taunt, and then pay. Uh, I can't remember the the Golf Channel journalist page something. And she goes, oh, this was disrespectful and he should be suspended by the tour. And then Golf Digest put out a thing, caption this, and it was Bryson sitting on his bag, like like just going, lamenting something. And Bryson's captioned it. And he goes, when you turn on the golf and you listen to this person and he tagged her, it's commentating the golf. And I was like, oh, my God, he's just come back at her at 100 miles an hour. He doesn't care. It's great. So good. I love Brooks. There you go. Him. Your top 10. Blakey, thanks for joining us. It's been an, an almost an hour, over an hour, well over an hour. It's one of our longer episodes and uh, it just proves that uh, three grown well, men. Well, if anyone has, has turned it off before now, then... They've missed the best part. They've missed, oh the, they've missed the big announcement and they've missed the top 10. Yes. Blakey, thanks for joining us, mate. You're happy to, uh, happy to uh, come back on the My Love of Golf podcast, but I'm more than happy to uh, jump onto the uh, Golf Rules Questions podcast. I think that's going to be sensational. It's going to be uh, very insightful, and I can't wait to get into that and um, you know, start working with you on that little project. It's going to be great fun. Yeah, it will be. I look forward to it too. Thank you very much, uh, Ross, and also Rocket. Very, very funny, man. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Blakey. Oh, there's a little bit of love between the two people on the podcast. I like it. Very good. Blakey's number 11. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to talk to you both. Thanks for listening to the My Love of Gold podcast. Until next time we meet, thanks for listening.